0: Morning Connect. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Doing well? Hey, I'm really excited to be with you this morning uh, talking. Uh, we're in between series right now, so uh, last week, as Dave mentioned, we had a great guest speaker. His name is Kevin Smith, and um, man, as I listened to his message, he was talking about everything that uh, his family and his friends and his church are going through over in Africa, and I just want to take a moment right now, and as I did in the first service, just remind us Like it's incredibly amazing that we can gather together and want to grow in our relationship with Jesus in a a public space and not have fear. As I was listening to Kevin and knowing that they meet in buildings, but they can't go there anymore. They can't go and have church like we do. And so as we try, you know, as we're trying to grow in our faith together as our family and friends, as we're celebrating and. Just never take it for granted that we get to do this right here. So I just wanted to say that for myself and for us as well as we get started that, um, you know, I just love it. Every time that we get a chance to have a missionary from a different side of the world, let us know what's going on there and know how we can pray for the Capital C Church, not just Connect Church. It's awesome to be a part of that. Well, Dave asked me to come this morning and to talk to you as we're in between series is about... This is this is kind of how he, he framed it and I really loved it. Um, he said, "Josh, I want you to talk about whatever you want. Dealer's choice." And I thought, "Man, that could be pretty dangerous, Dave. Cuz you give me that type of freedom. I'm, I'm the kind of person that I like to like know exactly what I'm going to talk about." And when he said that, I'm like, "Oh, man, this is going to be a rough week preparing this, but but I'm really excited to talk about with what we're going to talk about." And um, You know, he really didn't just say that. He went on after we were talking at the blend and he said, Josh, I want you to specifically talk about something that that God's been teaching you lately. Something that would be relevant to our people at Connect. Something that we can uh, really look at together and get something out of. So that's my goal for this morning. I really want us to um, feel like we're in this together. And, you know, as I was praying about this and just kind of thinking on what would be relevant to our time right now, this season of the fall, I kept thinking about back to school, you know, and it's probably because on Tuesday, I was thumbing through my feed on my phone, and I was looking at Instagram and Facebook, and I saw a couple pictures, and I didn't see you again, I'm sorry, Amber. I, I saw these cute pictures, all these back to school pictures. And uh, I'm sorry if you did not sign a release for your kids, to be honest, this will not be broadcasted, you know, outside of us, so I apologize. But I thought these were such awesome pictures, uh, just all these cute families and little kids going back to school, big kids, mom going to teach with her son. Man, I love this time of year. I really do. And I think some of you parents do too. You've had a great summer, but you're happy that your kids are going back and they're getting in their routine. And as I was looking through uh, my news feed, I came across this super spiritual guy. His name is Dave Jane. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like waking up and just like going on my dad and had coffee yet, so I'm kind of tired and I'm not the nicest, you know, morning person until I get like two or three of me. And so uh, I'm thumbing through and I, I read his text on Facebook and he says this. He goes, I prayed for all the teachers, principals, superintendents and staff of our school this morning. Also prayed for all the students at all levels beginning a brand new year at school praying that God will do something new in and through them this year. And he ended with the Bible verse because he's a pastor, you know. He said, uh, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And that's from Isaiah 43, 19. And, you know, he's, he might be talking about that a little bit more specifically with you in the future, so I don't want to specifically talk to this new thing but, you know, I thought that that was so relevant, you know, as all these kids are going back into school and your family, you're starting this new routine over, it kind of feels like New Year's in a way, even though it's almost getting close to the last quarter of the year and, you know, we're trying to finish strong, but for many families here, whether it's you right now or you've been there before, or you're going to be there in the future. The start of the school year is kind of a new year and it gives us this optimism, we get this blank slate, we get to start over, we get to change, we get to go for things, we get to really make a difference. And I always love the start of a new year uh, because you know, as I was going to school I got to see my classmates again and we get to hang out and you know, occasionally study, but more than anything just I goofed off a lot, just being honest. Um, But as, and you'll know why in just a second, as I'm thumbing through the news feed, all right, I'm looking at my phone on Instagram and Facebook, and I see all the cute pictures, and I see Dave. This is what I was thinking about. I was thinking about one of my favorite movies of all time. Check out this clip. Oh, back to school, back to school, to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. I got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school. Back to school. Back to school. Well, here goes nothing. What a great way to start the school year. Missing your bus. Oh... You know, Billy Madison, I'm not endorsing it for all your kids, okay? But, but it was one of the funniest and dumbest movies I ever saw growing up. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to fill you in a little bit, okay? So get ready. Um, Billy, played by Adam Sandler, he's this 27-year-old, and I'm 27, so, yeah, we're kind of the same person. Not really, but um, he's, a, he's an heir to a Fortune 500 hotel company run by his dad, Brian. And Brian wants really badly to pass on the family business to Billy, but Billy, he's always messing around with his friends, doing crazy stuff in their yard. He's never taken life seriously. He's just kind of, you know, doing whatever he wants. And one day, they're at this meeting, this big board meeting, and Billy just makes an absolute fool of himself. And his his dad's really upset, and he says, you're not going to take over the family's business. Eric is taking over the business. Billy's like, that's not fair. I'm your son, and so eventually Brian says, okay Billy, I'm giving you one more shot, but you're gonna have to take a big step in the right direction. You're gonna have to change your life if you want to run this company. And so what he does is he says, son, I I hate to fill you in on some bad news, but you never passed any of your grades. I bribed all of your teachers. They were just so sick of you that they accepted the money and kept passing you through. So he said, "What we're going to do is we're going to have a challenge, and over the next couple months, you're going to have to go through one through twelve all of your grades, a couple weeks at a time, and pass a test. That's the only way I will let you run this business." And so Billy is like, "Oh, piece of cake!" But before he you know goes, he's like, "Oh man, this is going to be a huge challenge. There's no way I'm going to be able to complete it." He gets to like first or second grade, you know, and he's trying to read and he's not very good. He can't do cursive, especially disease. he's really bad at disease. And so, like, the whole way he's struggling, and it's this big, massive step he's trying to take in the right direction. But the, the point, why I'm bringing up Billy Madison on a Sunday morning, is that the way that he was able to accomplish this was that, instead of trying to pass 12th grade right away, he took small steps toward the finish line. And that's the point I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how we can make a big difference in our life. But oftentimes, as much as we don't want to admit, when we look at a task ahead or a project or something in our family or in our relationships, we feel a little bit like Billy Madison, intimidated by the big challenge ahead. But I really believe that just like eating an elephant, you want to do it one bite at a time. I, I don't know why they say it because I don't think I'll ever want to eat an elephant. I'm just being real. I didn't say that the first service. Why would you want to eat an elephant? Okay. But anyway, if you're trying to go after a big task, you want to go one step at a time. Otherwise, you're going to get really overwhelmed. And I just have a feeling that for many families here at Connect, as we start this brand new school year, I remember the very first day of school I was an A-plus student because they hadn't passed out any homework assignments yet. And I kept thinking, man, I can do it. I can do it. I can get straight A pluses. I can I can get the perfect GPA. But after a while, I got so overwhelmed by this big test that really that wasn't the thing that got me in trouble. It was the little homework assignments here and there. And I think in all of our lives, we sometimes get overwhelmed by the big stuff. But I hope to break it down this morning in small pieces that we all can kind of chew on and we can look at it in our lives and see how God can really make a big difference for us. And, you know, I, I really want to break this down by starting out with a bottom line. It's something that I like to do a lot. I like to have one point to focus on and go from there. And I was, I was listening to uh, one of my, my favorite pastors, he's one of my like superheroes in the faith, and he said this quote, and I'm going to read it to you, it's kind of our bottom line for this morning. He said, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Let me say that again. It's not the big things, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Small things, big difference. Let me give you uh, three personal examples from my life. Let's show this picture. there's three things, three areas in my life that I just want to bring you up to speed with on how I've seen small things make a big difference. First and foremost, um, there's a guy in my life that I've looked up to for a long time, and specifically since I, I wanted to become a ministry. So this is close to about near 10 years ago, and there was a guy in my life I said, man, like someday I want to be close to God like you are. Have you ever met like a person before when they're when they're talking like you're like, wow they know God pretty well. They're like friends, like really close. When he prays, like God actually listens, you know? And like when we're talking in a conversation and I'm I'm trusting him with something going on in my life, he knows the perfect Bible verse to speak into my life. Have you ever met anybody like that? Like that's what I want to be so badly as I grow and continue to to get ready to start this church someday, but also as I just mature in my faith, that's what I want to be, but... It's overwhelming because I'm just not at that point yet. And so I talked to him. I said, what are the big things you're doing that you did to get where you're at today? And I'll never forget He said, Josh, no, 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 no. I've never done any big things. Honestly, what I do is it's kind of simple, and I think you could do it too. He said, for the last 30 years, what I do, and it's the same thing, every year I read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation all the Bible from cover to cover every year. And I'm like, what? That's huge! (laughs) I can't do that! I can't do that in a year! Have you ever heard me read out loud before? You know, I'm terrible. It takes me forever. And he said, no, no, no. When you look at it as the big picture, yeah, that's overwhelming. But what I started to do when I became a minister was that 15 minutes a day, every day, 365 days a year, I just read the Bible. Just went 15 minutes, stopped. And the next day, 15 minutes, stopped. And over an entire year, a little less than a year, he reads the Bible every single year. And 30 years later, hey, maybe that's why he and God are so close. Maybe that's why when I'm going through something and I talk to him, he has the perfect verse because he knows the thing inside and out. And so that's what I started doing. I downloaded the YouVersion Bible app. I just want to encourage you. In a couple weeks, I'm really excited that you'll not only be able to read your Bible on a Bible app, we're actually coming out with a Connect Church app, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome, and that's one of the functions, that you'll have a Bible on your Connect Church app, and so you'll be able to do it there. But that's top secret, all right, don't tell anybody that. Do not... Alright, it's a big deal, on our two-year birthday, we're going to be unrolling this and we're going to have a big party together about that. Okay, First Service was really excited about that. Oh, my, like, wow, I mean, I guess you already have the Bible app, you know? It's Christian people. Um, anyway, so um, so I, I started doing that and it really made a big difference in my life. I can't read the Bible in one day. But I could read 15 minutes a day. And that small change made a big difference. So much so that a couple years later, um, right before like, we were kind of getting ready to move over to Washington, um, my wife and I, we were doing this bucket list because we're like, hey, we're getting ready to make this huge change in our life. We're doing this whole new thing. We should like really write down our goals because we're never going to be back in the same spot that we've been in. We don't know exactly where God's leading us. So, like, let's do that. So she wrote some really cool stuff. And just being honest, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it for her. <laughs> She's got some really high hopes. Um, I'd love to someday. But one of the things that she wrote down, I said, oh, we can do something with that. She wrote, Josh, I'd love to read the entire Bible from cover to cover. I've read a lot of the Bible here and there, but I've never read it from cover to cover. I'd love to do that in my life. She's like, I don't think I can, though because I'm not a very good reader, too, and it's just tough. I said, honey, i got great news for you. We can do this. You can do this. And so I just said, honey, just try 15 minutes a day. Just go for it. See what happens 15 minutes a day. And my wife is really good at being consistent in small things every day. But the hard part is, and you kind of getting to know a little bit of our story, she had a really rough year last year. And so she's in and out of the hospital. She's feeling terrible. She's just going through a lot. But I didn't really check up on her. I wasn't trying to like be that guy like, hey, you're reading your Bible today? I wasn't going to do that. So all of a sudden, she sends me this text. And on it, it says, Bible plan completed. And she read the entire Bible. And you, remember. Man, you guys are clapping down to that also. Um... I mean, I thought it was so cool. Like, she was going through some of the roughest times in her life. And the one constant that she did every day, in the morning or at night, was she read her Bible for 15 minutes. And I believe that God put that thought in her mind to write that down on her bucket list, because he knew what was about to happen in her life. And he knew that she was going to be going through all this stuff, and if she could just have one constant... That God would get her through. And maybe that's what some of us need to hear today, that I don't know what you're going through, but you can do 15 minutes a day. And a small change can make a huge difference. And you never know what God's gonna be getting you through or helping someone else get you through when you have that in your life. It's the small things, not the big things. Number two, for close to 10 years now, you see this middle picture, I've been obsessed with golf. Like hardcore. I'm wearing a golf polo, like you'll barely ever see me not wearing a golf shirt. I'm wearing a golf belt right now, I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I really like golf, and uh, because we're over here, and like I had the opportunity last Friday on my day off, I went up to the PGA Championship in Wisconsin, drove up there and watched um, Tiger play not really well. I'm still a Tiger fan even though he's not the greatest example of a human being. Um, But, you know, none of us are perfect, right? Uh, Anyway, um, but anyway, I really still like him, and uh, that was one of the pictures I got, and I just really enjoy golf. But for a long time, so early on in this, this golf journey, I was terrible. I mean, I played baseball in my life. I played tennis. I played every sport you can think of with, like, a ball and some type of club. And you would think that, like, golf would be super simple because the ball's not moving. But it's not, it's really hard. And so I just kept on trying. I'd be standing up on the box and I could hit it a decent amount, like farther away. And so I'd try to like, it was so dumb. I'd be like, I'm trying to drive the green every time. It was it was ridiculous. And oftentimes what happened, I was swing way too hard and I hit it out of bounds, and before you know it, um, I'm shooting like 90s and 100s, okay? And I'm trying so hard to break 90 because it's really hard to do that. It's just, if you ever played golf, it's, it's really difficult to do that. And so one day I said, I'm going to make a change. Just, I'm going to make a big change. I'm going to be a great golfer. That hasn't happened yet. But um, I talked to my friend Ryan, who is a scratch golfer. He's amazing. He could, he's, he could be almost perfect. And uh, so I said, Ryan, what are the big things you do in your life that has made you a great golfer? Like, you're just hitting these bombs or drives, you're a great putter, all this stuff. What are the big things you're doing? And he said, Josh, it's not anything big that I'm doing. I'm actually kind of pretty boring with most of what I do. I just do one simple thing. I only hit one shot at a time. I'm like, dude... That's the most cliche answer I've ever heard. That's all that's what they say all the time on the golf channel. But it's true. <laughs> and so I go out there the next time, and so I'm shooting the 90s all the time. And before you know it, the next couple times, I'm not only breaking 90, I'm breaking 80. Because my biggest problem was that I saw I have to shoot 89, that big number, instead of just thinking about one shot at a time. And now Regularly, you know, I'm able to shoot somewhere in the 70s or low 80s, all because I just changed my mindset. I really didn't get any better. I just changed the way I thought. Now, I did that for the fellow golfers, and some of you are like, I don't care about golf, so let me get a little bit more spiritual with you, okay? Um, You know, relationships really matter to us. And one of the things that I really want to be is a great dad and a great husband. And it's hard. It's hard to be a good dad and a really great dad and a great husband because uh, life's, life's not always easy. So um, before we got married, I thought, man, who can I talk to that knows something or two about marriage? So I went to, um, my wife and I went to a marriage counselor, a pastor. My dad's also a pastor, but I thought, hey, I'll go see someone else. So I went and saw this guy and he's had a really strong marriage. And I said, what really makes marriages work. Because I don't want to just prepare for a wedding, I want to prepare for a marriage that lasts. And maybe you saw on my Facebook or Instagram, I posted this picture of my grandma and grandpa and my pop recently passed away a couple years ago, but it would have been their 65th anniversary and they were married for over 60 years and I thought, man, I want to have a marriage that lasts like that. That would be so awesome. And so I said, what are the big things I need to do, Mark, in order to be a great husband and a great dad? I want to make this marriage last. And he said, well, a lot of people are going to tell you many different things, but from my perspective, the one thing that every lasting marriage that I know has done is made the distance that not only are just hanging on because they have kids, not just hanging on because they don't want to start a life somewhere else. No, because they really love each other and they keep growing in their relationship every single year. And when you see them at 50 years, when you see them at 60 years, they still want to be with that person and can't imagine their life with anyone else. He said the one thing that all those marriages did is that they prayed together every single day. Prayed together. And I go, whoa, like an hour prayer meeting? Is that what we're talking about? He goes, no, not an hour of prayer with you, just five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, one minute a day, praying together. I said, why does that matter? Like, Katie and I pray occasionally together. What's the big deal about praying together? And he said, it's really hard to pray with someone that you hate. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're talking to God about these things, and like if I'm having a problem with Katie, the last thing that I want to do is pray, because then God reminds me of how much I need to change my heart, or how much I need to give more, or how much I need to do this and that. God convicts me of who I'm being and who I need to be. And number two, He also said that when you pray together. You're talking to God about the most important things that you value in your life, right? When you pray by yourself, I have a feeling you don't pray about meaningless stuff. And so what happens, though, is that over time, and maybe you're seeing this right now or you've seen it or you will see it. I know we've seen it in the last couple of years, but as you have kids or as you get busy with your job or whatever life throws in your way, everything, is trying to pull you apart. Everything. And the one thing that you can do every day to come together is to pray and to talk to God, maybe before you leave for work. Maybe you call your spouse. Maybe you text them. Maybe you wait till at night before you go to bed. But sometimes, for a couple minutes, just pray together. And for those of us also that maybe we're not married. The same goes with a friend. To have someone that you can call and you can pray with every day knowing that you're concentrating on the most important things together because you can't do life alone. You need your spouse. You need a friend. So if you want a relationship to last, you should pray together. Those are three small things that I've seen in my life that have made a big difference. And so before we go any farther, I'm going to get into Scripture for a few minutes, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to read a few verses, and it's going to talk about a small thing that made a big difference, and then we're going to talk about our lives. And so I'm going to read in, in Zechariah, it's a little known book, and I want to give you some context because, you know, I haven't read this book very often, and it's something that I've been learning about and that I want to know more about, and so I just want to tell you a little bit of what I've learned. So Zechariah, here's some context. During the during the time that this book was written, the Jews, who were pe- God's people before and still, I think you know everyone's God's people, but they were God's chosen people to come to the promised land and to start His story with them. And eventually, you know, we today, when we give our lives to Christ, we are a part of God's people as well. But the Jews, they were, they are, and were so special to God. And they were in slavery at the time that this book was written. And they were super depressed as a people. They didn't have a place to meet in the church either. They used to meet in a place called a temple. Um, And they didn't have this temple. It was destroyed. Their church was destroyed. And so everyone was down. But then in the year 537 B.C., which is a long time ago, I know. But I wanted to give you that for historical purposes. There's a guy named Zerubbabel. And he was king. He was in charge of the Israelites, and he led a group of people back to Israel out of captivity, and so there was some hope, there was some hope that they were going back and creating a new life together as a people, and they they were really going to get where God wanted them to be, they were going to make a big change. And so 18 years later, after they're leaving captivity, God spoke to him, Zerubbabel, and said, I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you build a church for these people. And so I'm going to start in verse 6 of Zechariah 4, and it's going to be on the screen, or you can look at your Bible app, and like I said, get excited about this. In a couple weeks, you can look at your Connect Church app and be doing this. So, alright, verse 6. This is what it says. It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, it says the Lord of heaven's army. That's how I want us to start. It's not by our power. It's by God's power. And as I started reading this, I thought about a time in my life that I was trying to do something. And it kind of illustrates when we're trying to make a change in our lives. There's two options. We can try to do everything on our own power or we can use God's power. And this is what happened in my life. So my father-in-law is a handyman, and he likes to rub it in my face a little bit. And uh, I'm not at all. I'm terrible, and I have very few tools. And so oftentimes, whenever I've had to do anything around the house, it's a little bit harder now being four hours away, but I'll still call him up or ask him when he's here, like, hey, can you help me with the project? So one day, I'm using this little tiny screwdriver because I don't have the best tools. This little big tiny, and I'm just trying, and I'm putting so much muscle, and he walks around the corner, and he starts laughing, and he goes, just step out of the way, and he takes this power drill and goes, Zip. and what took me, like, five or ten minutes, took him two seconds, and that is how I want to illustrate when we're trying to grow in our lives, when we're trying to make a change, when we're trying to make something big happen. You know, oftentimes we can either use a screwdriver, a little bitty one, our own power, or we can ask God and His Holy Spirit can come into our lives and make a difference. <gasps> that's how God wants to work in our lives. And yes, that's at my expense. You're welcome. I just told you how, how bad I am at fixing things. But <clears throat> that's how I've really seen it. Whenever I try to do everything on my own, It just is so hard. And it's not that it's easy when God does it, but it gets done the right way in His timing. And sometimes you have those moments where you're just like, oh my goodness, there's no way I can do that on my own. That's what I've found in my life. So back to Scripture. Verse 7, Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way it will become level playing before him. In other words, when God calls us to do something, there's no force on earth that can stop us from accomplishing the task. That's what I love about God, is that no matter what, he helps us accomplish the task. And when it's him, when he's trying to do something, when he wants something done, it gets done. Verse 8. The other. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel was the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. And if we'll pause for just a second, I read some research on the background of this story and I found that the initial kind of phases of the construction were awkward. And it took a long time. And you know, it started out with a slab. It started out very simply. And oftentimes when people would go past the temple, they'd be embarrassed because it was taking so long and it didn't look quite as awesome as it used to. And you know, something that I get to do at Connect is that I get to go around and hand out checks to families that we help as a part of the tornado fund with the long-term relief. And I talk to these families and and I hear their stories and sometimes construction took a long time. And oftentimes those small beginnings were so hard on them because they kept seeing on what used to be But then when I hand them that check in their new home, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, you know, they love their new house and what it looks like. They're sad about some of the stuff that they lost, but they say the same thing. We're just glad that God took care of us and we didn't lose the things that mattered the most. That's what they say to me. And those small beginnings, even though it took a long time, they're in a better place today. And God has been working in so many of these people's lives that they're in a new place. And a big thing has happened. And it wasn't by their choice. But God has seen them through it. Verse 9. I can't see that. I'm sorry. Another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel was the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. I think it's awesome when God gives us a specific task and then it gets done. Because most of the time when God tells us to do something, we can't do it on our own. And when we look back on it, we'll say, there's no way that that could have been done without God. That's the type of stuff that I love to see. And I just want want you to pray with me about this and I want to pray about this. Because I'm just getting tired, you know, of seeing my wife struggle. But eventually, I believe that God's going to heal her. And when we look back on it, he'll say, and we'll say together, it was only because of God that she's whole again. That's what I want to happen. And when we start this church, and when Dave and some of you come, and you'll know how not good I am at stuff, and and just how, you know, whacking I am, and, and just... You will say, wow, it's only because of God that this has happened the way it's been done. Verse 10, I'm going to wrap this up here. This is the most important verse for me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We've got to start somewhere. And God loves it when we're faithful in the small things. You know, one of our biggest challenges today is that we look at people's lives and we judge them by their highlight reels instead of their behind the scenes. You know what I'm talking about? We see these great, big, beautiful pictures and we don't see the behind the scenes. Everyone has to start somewhere. You anyway, know, I read a story about John Wooden, He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball coach of all time, and he won 10 national championships with the UCLA Bruins, seven in a row, amazing coach, but he did the same thing every year before his basketball season, before they won the national championship. The very first practice, he took the group of guys and sat them on the bench, and they, they didn't run drills, they didn't do anything big. They didn't do conditioning. They didn't just any of the things that you would think that you would do for a basketball team. He sat them down and one by one taught them how to tie their shoes. 18 to 22-year-old boys and young men, he taught them how to tie their shoes. Because he said, guys, if we tie our shoes the right way and we don't get blisters and we look at the small things throughout the entire season, we're going to win a national championship." But if we can't tie our shoes the right way, we're not gonna be able to run plays, and we're not gonna be able to last, and we're not gonna be able to make it through. We're not gonna be able to win this national championship. Excuse me, national championship. So let's start with the small things, and the big things will take care of themselves. And you know, for the last couple years, I've done something that I wanna encourage you, and this is the way we're gonna finish. Is I'm gonna ask you to do one small thing today. We've talked a lot about different things, but this is where it comes to us. And all of this will be good and fine if we just kind of talk together, but I pray that someone, that you, will do this. Because it's made a big difference in my life. For the last couple of years, I have asked God not for tens of goals or big things. I just asked God to give me one word to guide my year. And as you start this new season, as you're in school as you're with your family i just want to ask you consider asking god for one word to direct your season and for me the first time i did it god gave me the word focus you notice how much AD i have and, and he said focus focus and so what i did because i didn't want to do this with my own power i wanted to do this with the holy spirit's power I looked up a verse. I looked up on Google and I, I wrote the word focus, and there weren't any verses with focus. I'm like, dang, like wrong, wrong word. But it gave me another one that said fix, and that's kind of the same word as focus. And I came across the verse Hebrews twelve two that said, "Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us focus on Jesus." And so what I did all of last year was just focus on Jesus. And it was the most amazing year of my life to date. I've never been so high with the things that God did in our lives to see how he's brought us here to this place. And this year, it's been a little bit tougher. But I asked God for another word, another verse. And he gave me the word prayer. This is before I knew what was going to be happening with my wife. And it's like he knew that I needed to be in prayer every day. And the last thing I want you to think is like that I'm some you know, amazing Christian guy because I'm so far from Jesus and I'm trying to be more like him every day. But one thing that I do every day is I pray. And I pray about three times a day, just like a man named Daniel. And so the verse that I live my life by, it's Daniel 6.10. And it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. That sounds great, right? Pray three times a day. Well, what we don't read in that story, in that verse, is that this was right after the king made a a rule, a decree, a law, that if you prayed to another person than him, another God, that you were getting thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel, he heard this law and he said, am I going to obey God? Or am I going to obey men? And he said, I'm going to keep praying. And he was thrown into the lion's den. And you, maybe you've heard that story before. It's not a kid's story. It's a real life story of a man who was far from perfect, but he just prayed every day. And he grew closer and closer to God. So when the big moments came, he was ready because he did the small things every single day. And I want to ask you this morning, what's, what's one word that God can give you that can direct you this season? As you start this new year in school, guys, girls, parents, people, as we start this fall, as we move into this next season, what's one word that God can give you? I just ask you as you leave, as you go on throughout your week, you know, don't just forget this. Pray, God, what's one word? And I believe that He will give you a word. And so when you get that word, go to Google, go to Dave, go to me, go to, go to someone that, that maybe knows a verse that could go along with that word. And I promise you that God will give you the exact word and the exact verse that you need for your season in life. Because our God is not just the God of everyone. He's the God of the individual. And he wants a one-on-one relationship with you. And he wants to help you. Make a big difference in your family, at work, at church, everywhere you go. But the only way that we can make a big difference is by doing the small things faithfully. When we do the small things, God rewards us, and it's often the small things that no one sees. It's like Daniel praying by himself. They result in the big things that everyone wants. As we close this morning, I just want to ask you, what's What's your one word? Maybe God's telling you right now, or maybe you're going to be looking for that this week. And what's your one verse? I can't wait to see what God does in your life. Maybe you can one day share this with someone else. Please, please pray. God, uh, I thank you so much for how awesome you are and how faithful you are, that when we try to grow in our relationship with you, and we try to get closer to you, that every time you meet us, and it's like you've been waiting for us the whole time, and so God, I just pray that right now as people that have heard this message, that, that you would give them their one word, because probably more than likely, we're not going to have the same word, and we're all going through different things right now, and, and I can and no one else can tell them what their word is, but you can so, Lord, please do that. Be faithful. Give them their word. Show them their verse for their life that they can really get them through, that can encourage them, that can energize them, that can get them going and really make a big difference in this world. God, help them be faithful in the small things. And I know that you'll be faithful and make a big difference through them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.